Phillips file for a Wednesday. Every Wednesday at this time, for many, many years, we talked to Scott Maxwell. He writes the Taking Names column for the Orlando Sentinel. lot of things to cover today with Mr. Maxwell. Let's welcome him aboard. Hello there. How are you? I am doing spectacular, Jim. How about yourself? Not bad. Uh, first of all, have you caught up with the Joel Greenberg story, the one where he's trying to talk his way out of a ticket because he's the tax collector? I have watched all 20 minutes of the body cam. And by the way, this which just happens to be just something I wrote about this past Sunday. Can we say a little uh, prayer of gratitude for body cams? Sure, of course. Hallelujah, well, my I was brother. going to talk to you about that as well. Well, there's a perfect example where those body yeah. cameras have come in handy. Yep. Uh, to make a long story short, Joel Greenberg, the somewhat controversial tax collector of Seminole County, caught speeding, doing 39, I think, at a 25-mile-an-hour yeah. zone. Mm-hmm and uh, pulled over by Lake Mary police, and Greenberg uh, tries to uh, use his position as tax collector to get a pass on a, par- on a speeding ticket. And uh, congratulations to the Lake Mary police department. They said, we don't think they so. They were hearing none of it. Yeah, nope. sorry. And didn't he threaten or somewhat threaten to call the police chief? Oh, yeah. No, so he, uh, let's see, uh, we've got some of the quotes in the the story. You're going to give a constitutional officer a ticket? Are you serious? This is unprofessional. You know this is unprofessional. And then at one point in time, the part that I'm a big fan of, he tells the cop, listen, I'm just trying to stay off the front page of the damn newspaper. Headline, Headline, tax collector gets ticket. This is the kind of political crap I have to deal with. Well, let me tell you something, Joel Greenberg. Nobody's writing crap about you getting a speeding ticket. People get speeding tickets every day in this uh, in this country right. and in this community, including elected officials, including journalists. The only reason it becomes a story is when you try to get out of it. When you say, I'm a constitutional officer, I deserve, quote, professional courtesy. When you say, I'm going to call your police chief, which he did, and then if you watch the video, look down at his phone where it looks like he's going... Hell's bells, I don't have a clue who the police chief is, much less have a phone number <laughs> in my iPhone is what it looks like. And then when you go on to say later that I'm buddies with the sheriff, and then when he says you wouldn't have uh, stopped the sheriff for speeding, would you? And the officer, as you said very politely, says I don't believe the speeding, the sheriff yes. uh, would be speeding in the county. Joe Greenberg's response to that was, oh, yes, he has. I've been with him while he's been speeding. Okay, all right. He, this, this, guy, this guy's so a now mo- he's throwing. Our, our chili-eating buddy, <laughs> the, the Sheriff Dennis Lima, under the bus by saying he breaks the law. Now, this Goldberg, he's a, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a bona fide, uh, yeah, crackpot. Well, I don't want to call him a crackpot, but he's, uh, you know, he's, he's just a chucklehead. And this is the same guy, let's remind everybody, who not too long ago put lights on his car or inside his car, turned him on, and pulled a driver over for to the what? side of the road for to what? lecture this driver uh-huh, on speeding. For speeding. About speeding. That's his the part that is wonderful. Uh, yes, he uh, performed his citizen arrest by with, uh, with his badge and a woman because he thought it was reckless to be speeding. 
It's reckless to use your position as the tax collector to pose as a police officer to pull somebody off to the side of the road. Number one, it could be very dangerous if you pull the wrong person off to the side of the road. And especially, you know, females, you know. It's scary. Yeah, it is scary. You know, yeah, he's ashamed of himself. I hope there's someone in Seminole County who has the moxie and the political skill to, ch- I don't care whether he's Democrat, Republican, whatever his political stripes are, to challenge this 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 guy when he's up for re-election. He, th- there's he no have... reason for him to be in office. Well, look, let's, let's, go, back, let's go back to two years ago uh, when he was running for office. The reason he uh, was elected was because people were sick of the last guy, and everybody had every right reason in the world to be sick of the last Correct. guy. It was Ray Valdez who'd been there for 30 years, and he was uh, basically buying tax certificates that his own office was selling. He was dipping his, you know, uh, his own hand in, into the company tool, per se. And, and it looked stinky. And a lot of people, including me, said, you know what, Ray, if you just stop doing this, I think people can support you. And he said, hell no. He had uh, some on, I don't remember if she was live or dead up in Georgia or some other state uh, helping, him get these, uh, helping him get these liens off things. And so people said we want something different. I remember writing at the time, I don't know anything about Joel Green but what I do know is that people don't want this to happen. Well, Joel, you would think, would learn something from that. The Seminole, i got to give people Seminole credit, County credit. They have tossed people, elect politicians, out on their keisters before uh, just to get somebody new in. And I think there will be challenges. And by the way, when you talk about somebody got the stones... I don't think Greenberg's making any friends when, in his own defense, not only is he dragging these other people into his ticket, but saying, hey, they break the law, too. Do you think the sheriff's going to say, oh, you know what, let me, let me do you a solid? Well, there's a side you have to consider as well. Somebody, uh, somebody uh, squawked on him, whether it was in the police department or somewhere along the line, because how otherwise would anybody find out that Joel Greenberg was trying to talk his way out of a traffic ticket by using his position as tax collector? And somebody said, hey, leak this to the media. Well... And, and you know what? I'm going to tell you what my understanding is about that. And, and this is this is a little journalist uh, media insider. There are different amounts of law enforcement departments that send out different amounts of information. There are some departments, and usually they are with the smaller towns. Well, there, there's some big departments that won't give you a squat. Right. There can be, you know, a, a, an eight-person killed, and you can't get any details at them. Some of these smaller ones, they will send out uh, details almost daily. Lake Mary has traditionally been one of those. I mean, I, I think I even said, hey, can you take me off your list? God, God love you, but I just don't care <laughs> every time a you know, stoplight breaks. So they have always sent stuff out anytime they find, think thing, something is even remotely newsworthy. They're the ones who sent this out, and I don't blame them at all, nor do I think it was punitive. I think if you're sending out a release every single time there's, you know, a, a kidnapping, well, a missing kid or something, and you have an elected official who's been asking you, uh, your chief, to do you a solid and invoking this, I think they were absolutely prudent to proactively put it out. So that's well, how I believe it. Well, they're out. protecting themselves because the worst sure. thing you want is for, uh, hey, why was the Lake Mary Police Department, yep. why didn't they say anything about a duly elected constitutional officer, the tax collector, trying to talk his way out of a traffic ticket? And, and uh, so they it. said, we just want to make it clear, we don't, yep. uh, we don't agree with that kind of stuff, and we wrote them a ticket, as they should have. And, and this really is, to go back to the original point, this is a really good case for body cameras. Right. Because there, there's two things. Uh, you don't, there's no question. We don't have to guess it. And I'm not saying Joel Greenberg would have made up anything. But people make up things about cops all the time. They say they were ugly. They were doing something they wouldn't have. First of all, we all see exactly what's happened. Second of all, it actually acts as a check sometimes on the officer. If an officer, maybe he's just a rank-and-file guy and he's got some big, bad, you know, uh, elected official saying, I'm buddies with the sheriff, I'm buddy with your chief, trying to pressure you 
you, when you're being recorded, you know there's no games to be played. My actions are going to be uh, suitable for everybody, including the state attorney to see. It, it encourages everyone to behave better, which is another argument for him. In your column today, your column today focuses on this documentary called 49 Pulses, which mm-hmm. is a documentary about the Pulse Massacre, essentially told by the people who were wounded and families of those who were wounded and killed, and I guess maybe some law enforcement people as well. Have you seen the documentary? Yes. Uh, well, tell us about it and uh, your reaction to it. Um, my, I, my reaction, well, as you said, it, it is almost told, uh, told almost entirely through the eyes of people who were there, uh, and it is almost a timeline retelling of what happened, and uh, it's pretty, it's pretty rough. I mean, there are the, the, the part I talked about at the beginning. The, the 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 things that stuck with me was the survivors' guilt, and mm-hmm. we are mm-hmm. all familiar with survivors' guilt. You know, I made it out, and my buddy didn't. Whether that's on a battlefield or a burning building, but the things for which some of these people felt survivors' guilt, and the lead I used in today, today's column was this guy who didn't recognize the rapid fire gunfire uh, as shots. Instead, he thought it was part of a DJ's. Uh, dance track because it's a, it's a dance club and he felt guilty because he was dancing to it. Right. And so for six, eighteen months he felt guilty about dancing to the sound of people getting slaughtered. Who would have ever thought? Now I'm not sure. It, does, does a detail like that make my life better to know? I I don't know that it does. Uh, but I'm I don't think I'm ever going to fault a survivor or a victim for wanting to tell uh, their story about what happened uh, that night and. Uh, and, and that's a, a lot of what this is. And some of it is them being angry. There are some of the survivors who are not happy with uh, the uh, first responders' uh, decision to wait three hours to go in. Right. And uh, they call it incompetence. So another woman whose friend died basically in her lap, and she tells the story of the final minutes of her friend saying, I don't want to die. My vision's getting blurry. And then she just stops talking. She says, if you'd come into the bathroom sooner, you would have been saved. Um, th- there's been a Justice Department report that said the action was proper. Uh, there's been a lot of survivors who have said, I would not be alive for the first responders. But is it fair for anybody whose son was killed or who was there to ask questions? Yeah, I I think those folks get a pass. They they get to ask whatever uh, questions uh, they want. And it's worth noting that there still has not been a full accounting of of what bullets killed whom. It wouldn't make anyone less dead or less injured, but uh, there was a lot of so-called friendly fire that night, and to this day, 18 months later, we still don't have a full accounting of that. Why not? Why don't, don't we know. have an accounting of that? I, I, I've been talking to people who know this better. I'm not an expert in these mass tragedies, but I have been told that in some cases they do not ever provide that. Hmm. That, would, that would trouble me if I was involved in any way. Yeah, it might trouble me as just a, a journalist. Uh, but it, apparently these things well, I, yeah, take a I, long I, time. I, I tend to think that the citizens should have the right to mm-hmm. know because the, then the citizens have a voice either, hey, this is that's the way it goes, or they might move in a direction where they want a better accountability. You know, uh, citizens have every right to know about that, I, I happen to believe. There were reenactments, were there not, in this documentary? And is that a good thing or a bad thing? I'm not terribly fond of documentaries where there are reenactments. I've heard that sentiment from others. It didn't really bother me, but I didn't really love it. It just didn't. I think it's more a matter of it is tough on visually to look at for an hour and a half at just people sitting in a chair talking. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's done for no reason. Other. I, I mean, it, it's it's grisly. I mean, there's people on the there's bodies, people portraying uh, corpses. They're not bloody there uh, in any sense. Um, I, I think when when people ask me, I you know, sh- should I go see this? I think most of Orlando knows. 
the, the story pretty well. I think if you're in Sacramento, if you you know you're, you're in Madison, Wisconsin, there's a lot about this that will probably yeah. shock you. Uh, I think most people know it, but I also once again I don't fault the director. Uh, his name's Charlie Men, who's he's actually this is this is his very sort of grisly niche. He 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 uh, follows sort of unsolved mysteries, and and uh, he would say uh, uh, victims who never got justice, but also just mass mass casualties. And is I think it's fair to let them have their say. And there were things that tore my heart out. And and if you if if you take away anything from this, it's what we said we would take away uh, back in June of 2016. You forget. I mean, you have to live. I mean, your life like like every day could be your last because these these were people who I mean the the woman who talked about her cousin dying her life they didn't even know they were going to Pulse till about 15 minutes beforehand. Yeah. I mean they were they were just trying to decide and they heard this one had good dancing. They didn't know it was a gay bar. They didn't know anything else. And uh, they all get shot and one of them dies and she was 19 years old and wanted to be a criminal justice and her cousin ends, uh, be a detective and she cousin talks about she ended up being killed by the same sort of uh, you know profession or, or area of study that she wanted to, to be. So yeah. I don't know. Talk to the audience about um, the reaction by Central Florida and City of Orlando officials when it comes to Amazon's, if you want to call it a decision, uh, you know, essentially rejecting Orlando, a bunch uh-huh. of other cities as well, when it comes to this new uh, distribution center that seems that every every city and town in Hamlet has been vying for for the past six months or a year. Because it seems to me there were some excuses being made, and Orlando needs to do this, and Orlando needs to do that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, yeah, yeah, right, a bad pitch, or they, we don't know what we're doing. When it, and it's maybe it was none of that. Maybe it's just like, I'm sorry, Orlando. You just we don't, don't have what it takes. We don't have the stuff. We don't have the infrastructure here. And it's just location, location, right. location. I don't know, but it seems a little bit like. You know, the Chamber of Commerce and kind of redevelopment crying. people all get together and want to make excuses for something. Yeah, crocodile tears a lot this week. Well, that well, that's what it was. And I should start by saying the the whole concept of Amazon sort of pimping itself out. Yeah, it's pretty gross. It's basically every hey, every community in America. How much taxpayer dollars do you want to throw at us? That said, I mean, it would be a boon for any economy if you get over the fact that there are growth issues. But they're talking about fifty thousand jobs that pay an average. An average of a hundred thousand dollars—that's big time—and you can see why uh, communities were looking looking at it. But afterwards, yes, as you said, uh, we didn't make the cut, uh, and, and based on some things I've read by the Washington Post and others, we weren't even close to making the cut. Right. Uh, and the headline in the Sentinel, I think it was Saturday, whatever day uh, after we got passed over, was quote: "Orlando leaders colon Amazon cut shows need to refine pitch." And my take was. You guys, you guys need to smack yourselves in the face a little bit. It's time for a wake-up call because the problem wasn't our pitch. The problem is our reality. The problem is that we are swimming in low-wage jobs. We have trouble with education. We don't have a ready-made workforce for $100,000 jobs. We lack transit. We lack other things that are infrastructure. There's about 10 things you got to tick off to want to attract a company like this or even grow a company like this, and we're, miss- we're lagging on eight or nine of them. Uh, and so it was an exercise in a bit of delusion for people to say, well, yeah, we, we needed to spin this. We needed to pitch it better. That wasn't the problem. We, we, you and I have talked for years. This decision, this community is going to have to make some hard choices. If you want to get beyond 
a region where we are one of the lowest paid wage metros in America, you're going to have to do things other than continuing to span, expand your convention center by another million square feet. You're going to have to do something other than put another $20 million to the Visit Orlando advertising budget. You're going to have to invest in schools and jobs and venture capital and education, higher and lower. And these are hard things, and they take time. And that's the reality call that I think this community needs, not that we need to hone our pitch. I think the community is also thinking as well, quite possibly, or a segment of the community, I don't know what percentage it might be that says, wait a minute, we're talking about 50,000, what, an additional 50,000 jobs in Central Florida? There is a degree of what does that mean when it comes to sprawl? I think most people would say, no, we don't want to look like Miami. Maybe the Chamber of Commerce people would say, we want to just be a thriving uh, Orlando slash Miami. we just as soon be able to connect uh, everything we have uh, all the way down to uh, South Florida. But I think there might be a significant number of Central Floridians who say, whoa, let's just hold, you know, whoa, Nelly, 50,000 jobs. What does that mean for, for sprawl? We've got sprawl here, and I don't know if it's necessarily nice to look at. Does that make any sense? We got lots of problems, and sprawl is particularly harsh on the poor because the notion is you can't live close to where you work, and if you can't live close to where you work, you have to live you're you're a long way away, and then but you can't afford a car, and our bus lines suck, and we don't have sunrail that runs anywhere. There's lots of problems with sprawl. I I I think I and I I think you're right. A lot of people would object to that. I think I would probably say this is something I would be interested in, only because I don't know how to move the needle on wages. Otherwise, Uh, we 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 aren't moving the needle on wages. And a hundred thousand dollar average is something that would be giant and would do it and would probably have its own. It would basically be its own city. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that's a, that's a concern as well. But I, I think we're going to have to think big. And uh, and I don't think many people really thought Amazon H2Q. I believe that's what they're calling it, HQ2 uh, was coming here. But uh, I hope, as our editorial board said, this will be a good exercise in, in us thinking about what we would really need to do. And by the way, before we uh, go, I know we're running out of time. You might appreciate. I just got a note. Uh, from uh, I won't say who, but another elected official who was listening to our conversation, yeah. and it said maybe if Joel Greenberg wants to wear that badge, carry a gun, and stop people, he should also wear a body cam. There you go. All right, what's coming up in the next call? <laughs> That's <Damn>. great. <laughs> So, uh, yes, we have some musing on Amazon. Uh, two weeks ago, I wrote a story about a nonprofit that was lacking $200,000 uh, called United uh, Against Poverty. Right. Uh, very, and two uh, that was needed $200,000 to to help these folks, uh, and uh, as of yesterday, they closed the gap, thanks largely to people who responded to that call. So that's a that's a feel-good thing. And then we're, on Friday, I'm going to talk about, uh, excuse me, Sunday, felons' rights and casino gambling, the two big initiatives going on this year's ballot. There you go, buddy. Thanks. Good job, as always. Thanks Thank a lot. Scott Maxwell, he writes the Taking Names column for the Orlando Sentinel, joins us every Wednesday on Real Radio 104.1. To win $1,000 is just minutes away on Real Radio 104.1.